All right, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host for this, if you're listening for the first time, daily NFL podcast on CBS, produced by CBS Sports. We're going through team by team right now. Today is the Packers with my friend and uh, excellent reporter on the Packers, Aaron Nagler, at Aaron Nagler, A-A-R-O-N-N-A-G-L-E-R, on Twitter if you want to follow him. He also does a ton of Facebook Live and PackersNews.com videos daily, doing chats and stuff, breaking down the, uh, I mean, I think some would say minutia of what happens within that organization because that's a very passionate fan base. And I don't, I don't mean minutia in a, in a negative way. I mean, Packers fans are just highly tuned into what's going on with their team. We talk in depth about, uh, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, you know, what we can expect from the defensive Mike Patton, interesting things from Aaron on that. We'll get to in a minute. A couple of news items. Um, first, well, first of all, rate, review, feel free to write something nice on that iTunes review. You can do it without registering. You can even leave a little funny nickname or something like that. Thank you to everyone who wrote nice things since yesterday. Made me feel better about my life today. Seriously, if you're, if you're on the podcast thing and you swipe all the way down really fast on your app, you can just hit five stars and that's always helpful. Tell a friend, get them to subscribe, whatever you gotta do. Let's keep this thing going. I enjoy doing it. The bosses like it. Can't, can't thank you enough for your support. NFL news. Man, it's a, it was a slow day on Wednesday. I mean, it was slow. Mark Ingram is vigorously fighting his suspension. We talked about that on Tuesday. It's a PED suspension. Ingram claims that he has a exemption from the league to take the, what is, so I don't want to play pharmacist here, but if you look at what he's, what he was suspended for, a PED, and then you have him claiming that he has a, an exemption to use it, it really sounds like an Adderall situation. And we saw something similar to this happen, uh, back in 2013. There was a big, a lot of think pieces being written about Adderall and the NFL and all that. Uh, it's one of those things that would qualify as a PED, but also be something that would be prescribed by a doctor. I don't know if that's what Mark Ingram was taking. I don't know if that's what he was suspended for. I'm just sort of connecting some dots here and I would say too that it's odd that he would get the suspension last year and then we not find out about him going through the entire process for I mean it took several months you know you got to figure January if he finds out he was suspended and you get all the way through to May before we find out that he's exhausted his appeals process now he is going through the arbitration process and we'll find out Wednesday May 16th whether or not Ingram is cleared if for some reason you're in a fantasy league that is drafting and somebody's trying to dump Mark Ingram or somebody or you have an opportunity to buy late on him I would buy low on him you know he wants a new contract he's probably not going to get it but I think there's a decent chance with this if he has an exemption from the league to be using whatever he was using that he might get it overturned. I don't, I don't know. I take a flyer on him, but th- that remains to be seen. We've got about a week. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to, to talk about Mark Ingram. Peyton Manning could be involved in an ownership group for the Carolina Panthers. A friend of the show, Joe Person of the Charlotte Observer does great work there covering Carolina's team. Joe's a great dude too. Um, says that Ben Navarro, who's sort of a, a, a Finance guy, financier of sorts out of, out of Charleston, who's interested in buying the Panthers, wants to get Manning involved. And this is a big news for 
you know, primarily because I think it'll really vault Navarro, who appears to be willing to spend more money than anyone else to buy the Panthers. And I think the league wants to get it above that magic $2.5 billion number. That would vault Navarro right into some, some good headwaters in terms of, you know, getting people at the league excited if he's gotten Peyton Manning involved. Brandon Marshall visiting the Seahawks. <sighs> Buddy, it's a slow news day. Uh, Brandon Marshall didn't love Brandon Marshall, but yeah, probably, probably a little, um, past his prime at this point. Didn't work out with the Giants last year. They're hoping to get him in, possibly get him in Seattle. We'll see how that goes. Some personal news. If you like music, I like music. Sturgill Simpson jumped on stage with widespread panic over the weekend. I wasn't there. But I've seen some videos. It's awesome. You should check it out. They play Ride Me High, an old classic by J.J. Kale that Panic has sort of uh, made one of their own. And then Come Together by the Beatles with Sturgill singing on that. Some really cool stuff. And then I'll be going to David Byrne on Thursday night. So if you know anybody who's around Raleigh, who's going to be a David Byrne at the D-Pack, uh, tell him to give your boy a shout. In the meantime, let's go talk to Aaron Nagler about some Packer stuff. All right, Aaron, let's dive right in and talk some Green Bay Packers. Give me a grade on Brian Gutekunst offseason. I'm always pleased when I can pronounce that correctly. There's some <laughs> there's some um, dangerous phonetic territory with the new You GM. know, they couldn't hire Elliot Wolf, really. <laughs> I got to I got to deal with Gutekunst for the next X number of years. Um yeah, a grade. Uh, can I be snooty and say incomplete? No, uh, no, 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 everybody. I know. Everybody. I know. Um, I'll give him a B plus. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, given what he was handed and the fact that it is a major shift as far as the organization goes, uh, what he walked into, I think he's handled himself really well. I, I think everything from the start of the offseason, the, the really tough decision to cut Jordy Nelson. Yep. Uh, knowing there would be backlash there, both outside the building and within. Um, I mean, that's a tough, tough decision to make right out of the gate. Uh, and then to go out and get Jimmy Graham and Muhammad Wilkerson and not to panic on Wilkerson. That, that was key. Uh, they was their first visit. And then Wilkerson kind of did a mini tour. I think some younger first time GMs may have thrown a bunch of money out of him to try and make sure he didn't get out of the building, but he didn't do that. He let him, he let him go. Uh, and he came back. Uh, I, I think, you know, you saw the the attempt to get Fuller from Chicago as maybe a bit of a panic move. Uh, it's hard to say once you saw all the free agent corners go off the board, it, whether that was, you know, the design and the idea all the time or if that was a reaction to missing out on some of the top tier corners. Um, you know, he was in the conversation with Alan Robinson and Sammy Watkins. So he was definitely active. Um, but I don't think he seriously overpaid for anybody. I think, you know, bringing back Tremont Williams and Devon House was smart. Um, and I thought his draft was really good, especially in the sense that he picked up an extra first rounder next year. So, you know, first yeah. shot out of the gate, uh, first time calling the shots as a GM, yeah, I think Brian Gutekunst has acquitted himself quite well. Yeah, that, um, the, the, the extra first rounder doesn't get enough attention. I, I, I think I wrote about it a couple times, um, over the course of the draft, but, you know, these sort of things fade away quickly until we realize what's happening next year when the actual draft right. rolls around. I mean, he, he moved, I mean, he basically moved down three spots and got an yeah. extra first rounder. By and the- he, that's the thing. And he knew he could get back up. That's what not a lot of people have talked about, but in the sense that he had a trading partner in Seattle that everyone yeah. knew needed picks. And obviously they have a strong relationship with John Schneider. He knew he could jump back up. So when he dropped down to 27, it wasn't like, 
oh gosh, how will you know what's going to happen inside the Packers headquarters? They knew what they were doing and they knew they could get back up there. So uh, yeah, I think that and essentially that, like you say, that first round pick next year hasn't gotten a lot of attention and it, it adds to what is shaping up to be an incredibly uh, wide open off season for the Packers where they'll have two first round picks and they have a ton of salary cap space coming free with a lot of guys coming off the books like Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, um, a bunch of other guys who will, they're going to have tons of cap space, two first round picks. And Oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is back. So interesting. I'm going to veer off our planned rundown because of the way you mentioned that and you described, you know, Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews coming off the books. Aaron Rodgers, we'll get to him and his, you know, long-term situation in a minute. But is this sort of a make or break year for the Packers or is it at least, is it a, the final hurrah with maybe the, a core of guys? I, mean, I know Jordy Nelson is gone and like you said, it wasn't a popular decision. I don't know that it's an upgrade to go Jimmy Graham over Jordy Nelson, but I think turning to Devontae Adams as your true number one is a perfectly fine maneuver. Randall Cobb, certainly you don't want him to be your one. So if Adams gets hurt, Maybe you're in trouble there, but I mean, overall, the offense looks like it's going to be good as long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. But is there a sense in Green Bay and amongst the Packers and, and Packers fans and, and people who follow the team closely that this is a really, you know, not not a not a shove all in year, but certainly a year that matters in terms of the old core that's been around for so long? Yeah, it, it will be the a lot, I sense it'll be the last hurrah for a you know a good segment of the Packers core that you, just, you know, that you're alluding to there. I think it's a big transition year. You know, obviously Goody Kunstin, Thompson out. A lot of Thompson's decisions and moves are are represented are going to be represented on this roster in 2018. Um, and you know the decision to extend Mike McCarthy by a year. Yeah. Uh, that was done quietly without any fanfare during the season. Uh, clearly that's Mark Murphy kind of saying, you know, I, he trusts McCarthy. He thinks uh, McCarthy is his coach. That's those were his words. But I think, yeah, it sets up to be a big one last kind of push for Thompson's guys. You know, I don't think Gutekunst could have come in and really torn things up. He obviously didn't. Um, he, he likes the talent on hand. And I think, yeah, this is it. This is their their one last kind of push for that group. And then I think, you know, next year this roster will look markedly different. Mm. Very interesting offseason then for the Green Bay Packers. It wouldn't it be something and it's it they're in a tough they're in a tough neighborhood too. I think the the one thing that stands out about this offseason and certainly the draft in particular is just how much defensively or how how much they focused on defense in this offseason from the Wilkerson signing that you talked about it. By the way, Muhammad Wilkerson, still a very young player. If he I mean yeah, exactly you know, right. if, he, if they get if they get maximum effort out of him for and you know, the guy who's going to be coaching him has coached him well before and Mike Pettin. Um, you add Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson in the draft, Oren Burke. So your first three round picks are all guys that they took in the draft. And then last year you had Kevin King and Josh Jones as your first picks. Is this defense going to be good? And either way, how will it look under Mike Pettin? Well, that's the thing. I, you know, they obviously have thrown a lot of draft capital at the defense, both the picks you're mentioning here and then in the last you know five, six years. I think it was outside of the New York Jets, the Packers have used more first-round selections on the defensive side of the ball in consecutive years than any other team in the league. And it, I think that actually tied them this year because the Jets win quarterback. But, yeah, it's 
it's all about Mike Pettin. I've said repeatedly since the night the news broke that he was the hire. Um, I think he's the most important offseason addition, the most important offseason move that the franchise made. Obviously, Dom Capers, his defense had just not been getting it done. Um, we saw a complete kind of breakdown communication-wise week after week. And look, Pettin brings a strong track record. Um, I talked to my old friend Greg Bedard, who used to cover the Packers. Uh, you know, God, that was a long, long, that was a long time long ago. Long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, we've, he and I have been longtime admirers of Mike Patton. We've talked about this guy for a long time. And so when that hire got made, you know, I, I reached out to Greg and we were talking, we were batting it back and forth. And I said, you know what? This is kind of like getting, you know, in his prime Rex Ryan without the craziness. Mm. And it, 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 that's essentially what Patton is. He is a guy who is one of the brightest defensive minds in the league. He has done a really good job wherever he's gone teaching his system to a disparate kind of group of talent wherever he's gone. And he's shown that he's really open. He's not rigid in any way, shape, or form when it comes to how he wants to attack a team from week to week. And he has done a really good job, and what from what I've seen from studying it uh, these last couple months, of doing a really good job of kind of catering to his personnel. I think in, in New York a lot gets made about the job he did um, – with a 3-4 defense, you know, obviously he had not not a lot of kind of premier pass rushing talent, but they got to the quarterback with regularity. Uh, now, obviously, any kind of defensive discussion with the Jets when he was there has to include the fact that he had Darrell Revis. Sure. Um, I think obviously the Packers don't have that, but um, that's why you've seen them try and get upgrade their talent in the secondary. Uh, but then you go forward to his job in Buffalo as a defensive coordinator there. He has a very different group of talent there and he used a lot of four-man fronts uh that i suspect will be in play with the packers i think they have a lot of talent up front i think they have a lot of guys who uh project as you know able to put their hands on the ground able to kind of be um not transition but they can do a lot of different things i i I tell you i'm 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 gonna say it till uh the 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 season starts and i'm either proven right or wrong i just think petten is going to be such a major upgrade on the defensive side of the ball, um, they've just got to get into like the top 15 uh, on defense, and they should be cooking with gas. By the way, I don't think Mike Pettin was that bad a coach in Cleveland. He wasn't. <laughs> it was funny. Tremont Williams was just on the radio earlier this week or last week talking about, you know, no one really talks about it, but we had a really good defense when he was in Cleveland. And I don't think anyone is saying they're the 85 Bears. But you go back and you watch, and, yeah, they played some pretty good sound defense. He went, um, he went. They obviously had problems at quarterback, and the, when Alex Mack got hurt at center, they kind of fell apart. But, yeah, they, they played good defense. I mean, he had the 2014 Cleveland Browns captain for the most part, four, 13 games or 14 games, I guess, mm-hmm. by, by Brian Hoyer. Finished seven and nine, and at one point they were. You're talking about you know, that Alex Mack injury. The were, Mack injury destroyed that. I mean, just ruined that team. Ruined it's it. It's so funny. People forget it, but like they were seven and four. Healthy, yeah, they were ridiculous. They were winning football games. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> and then of course he went three and thirteen the next year, having to shove Johnny Manziel uh, oh, under. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and see that to me that that that's. Like Pat, I mean, I, I don't know how Pat Shermer's going to do as a head coach in New York, but I, you can look back at his time in Cleveland too and say, man, I don't know if that was a byproduct of Pat Shermer as a head coach so much as it was, that's just a bad opportunity. Maybe, maybe people should just stop taking the Browns job. Now, <laughs> well, the thing with Shermer in Cleveland, I always thought was he just, 
he dumbed down his offense so much. I think defenses had no problem stopping them because, you know, I don't think maybe it's a, you know, product of the talent he had on the field or whatever, but he was so simplistic. It was nothing like the stuff you saw him running with the Vikings. No. Like at all, not even close. So I, I tend to think Sherman will do well in New York, but yeah, I just remember every time I watched Cleveland when Shermer was, I was just like, man, he is running, you know, day one install West Coast offense. That's, yeah. that's what I remember from this Cleveland days. Well, that's what happens when you got a 97 year old Brandon Whedon that, um, <laughs> Brandon Whedon, I wonder. Oh my God, you almost made me snarf my drink. That would have, that, that would have been excellent. I mean, Brandon Whedon, I'm sure his grandkids are proud of him, but he, you know, he did. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving along from the, 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 by the way, that, that Mike Patton thing, you're going to see it on like CBS Sports' Instagram. There's that quote. I've already got that. I've already got that earmark. Bring, bring it, dude. Get it out there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers mentioned him before, kind of important to the Green Bay Packers in terms of their success. Yeah. Just a touch in terms of their success. Do you, when does an Aaron Rodgers contract get done and is it before the season? Yeah. I've been saying, Pretty much since the contract talk got put out there and in the air, so to speak, I, I've been saying all along, I think it, they announce it right before camp starts. Nothing I've seen or heard makes me think any differently. Um, they've done that before where they've announced big deals. Jordy Nelson back in the day, David Bakhtiari recently. They like to have a big announcement mm. uh, on the eve of camp or the morning of camp, kind of, you know, add to the good vibe, so to speak. And obviously dropping the news that Aaron Rodgers has signed basically the, the rest of his <laughs> rest of his life contract uh, to play in Green Bay uh, would qualify. So I, I suspect, you know, obviously they were waiting for Matt Ryan to get done. Matt Ryan is now done. Um, and here's look, everyone wants to talk about how, oh, well, you know, all the other quarterbacks are done. They should just, you know, sign a deal and get it done. Well, it's a little more complicated than that <laughs> as far as. What Rogers wants, you know, in terms of guaranteed money, how they want to guarantee it, how many years, uh, bonus structure, workout bonus structure, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So I tend to think they'll take their, they'll still take their time. There's no, there's no need, you know, there's no real deadline here. So, um, yeah, I tend to think it, it'll get done this summer and they'll announce it right before camp starts. People are sort of sleeping on the fact that. And not like it's a huge deal because I think Aaron Rodgers will be fine at his age, but Matt Ryan will turn 33 in about a week, May 17th. Aaron Rodgers will turn 35, uh, right. near the end of the season in 2018, back in December. So, I mean, you are talking about a, you know, a, a two year difference in terms of age. And while people might say, well, it's not that big a deal. Well, it is that big a deal because your yeah. time. No, it very much is. Yeah. You're timing these extensions. So if you're the Packers, you don't want to sign a deal. Where you are locked into Aaron Rodgers' forty-year, forty-year-old season, and right. with, with like a lot of guarantees, without money. being able to get out of it, exactly, yeah. Or at least, because and if you're Aaron Rodgers, maybe you don't want to be locked into it either. I mean, he's going to be a Packers player. You know, he's going to be a Packers quarterback for life. Um, he's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. He's going to be go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. He could use that second Super Bowl to really bolster um, that claim, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, a, it's an easy deal to get done. It's just a matter of, um, you know, f- finagling the specifics of it. And, and do you, I mean, do you think at all that this stuff with Jordy Nelson and this stuff with, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback coach, yeah, Alex Pelt. yeah, AVP, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Um, uh, getting oh, shipped out of you town. And AV, you and AVP are close, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
man, I, I keep saying the same thing in regards to all of that noise. I, I just think, you know, maybe he's rattling his saber a little bit to remind, you know, the Packers of how important he is and now that they need reminding. Um, I think the Packers have been really smart not to engage in any of it. And Gutekunst has said repeatedly, you know, we want him here. He's our guy. But we, you know, I have spoken to Aaron after decisions are made, but the Packers have made it very clear. It, it, you know, they're going to make their decisions and the players are, including their quarterback, are not going to be part of the decision making process, nor should they be. Right. I completely agree with the Packers on that. Um, but you know, week one comes along, kickoff happens, all of this is forgotten and it's all noise. Um, they're going to make him the highest paid player in the league, in the history of the league. And uh, a lot of this will kind of go by the wayside. And look, my, my colleague Tom Silverstein wrote something about this a couple weeks ago and I could not agree more with it. It's like, I don't think there would be, I don't think there's a human on this earth who would begrudge Aaron Rodgers if he came out and just said, <laughs> I want to be consulted. And I, th- I find it ridiculous that I'm not. Okay. You can agree. You can disagree, but just come out and say it. But this idea that he goes to the Super Bowl and, you know, puts, takes this passive aggressive shot on ESPN radio and then, you know, has a radio appearance in Madison or Milwaukee or wherever it was, and then makes another kind of passive-aggressive shot. It's like, no, dude, you know how the league works. It's not like you're some two- or three-year veteran. You've been in the league over a you know a long time. You know there's going to be eventualities where, especially the longer you play, that there are going to be teammates that you like being around or that you think are still productive that the team is going to have other thoughts on and they are going to go by the wayside. Especially if you're a quarterback playing until the age of 40, you're going to lose a couple teammates along the way. So this idea that, you know, he's kind of just, and then he gets in front of the cameras at the start of the offseason workouts and says, you know, I know my role. Yeah, you knew your role <laughs> when you were making the passive aggressive shots. It's just, just come out and say it. I'd have so much more. Uh, time for it then yeah. but the this idea that you know he, he kind of takes these little kind of shots that we read between the lines and then gets in front of the cameras and microphones and says, oh i know my role no, just come out and say it dude not, not, that, to, not, not to mention the tweet where he's like hashtag fake news oh, it's like, it's like the bro fake news thing it's like come on dude you're creating when you went after charles yeah. robinson yeah that, you, you're i mean like you're creating the news by by making these veiled thank you yeah thank you so there's no reason for charles robinson to write what he wrote if you hadn't made the other passive aggressive shots yep. no one would have gone digging for anything if you just don't put it out there. Yeah, and it's not like Charles, I mean, let's be real. Charles Robinson is a highly respected, long-time guy. I mean, like he's, you know, right. he's not, not like Charles Robinson is sitting there making it up. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But of course, Rogers plays it like that. And all I get are a stream of angry tweets, you know, like, oh, the media, you guys are just making this up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good talk. By, by the way, I, do you find it – this is sort of a tangent off the Rodgers stuff, but I find it fascinating that in this offseason with Aaron Rodgers doing stuff like this and with Tom Brady playing this game of chicken with Bill Belichick, right. that, that right. in the same offseason we, we we banged Josh Rosen for being the, a, a, like a intellectual millennial who likes to who likes to ask why and stuff. Like he's right. – they're doing the same thing. I mean just, right. just one right. guy. They've, just, they've yeah. proved it on the field. You know, exactly. they, they proved it on an NFL field. That's the biggest difference, yeah. right? I mean, but yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's like, 
everyone knew coming into the draft that Rosen was most likely of the big four that we talked about, the guy who was going to fall because of it. And sure, he did. Sure. Uh, but I think he landed in a good spot. And I'm excited to see him make a lot of people pay. Yeah, me too. Uh, let me, I want to ask you this. I didn't include this either, but I am curious. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay will be a disappointment if he retires without winning another Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely a billion percent not. The, the man has played at an insanely high level. Um, I think some of the, you know, the carnival barkers on sports talk radio <laughs> may try to frame it as such, but look, uh, the guy has played out of his mind, elevated his team to an insane level. I mean, if you look at the run that they went on when they, after they were four and six a couple years ago and, you know, Rogers had the, the, the run the table quote and then they ran the table. Mm-hmm. He played at the most insane level I have ever seen anybody play quarterback in the NFL. I'm talking any human being that has stepped on an NFL football field. And the only reason that team couldn't make a Super Bowl is because they basically ran out of gas injury-wise and they had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. You know, they had that same defense through that entire run. It was just that Aaron Rodgers was insane. So, you know, this idea that if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, it diminishes what he's done as an NFL player. I find frankly absurd. <laughs> For the record, in that in that six game stretch where they ran the table, seventy one percent completion percentage, two hundred and seventy eight yards per game, fifteen touchdowns, zero interceptions over a six game span. Dude. And then he followed dude. it up with uh nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and a thousand and four yards at three playoff games that ultimately culminated in that beatdown at, at Atlanta. I can't even begin to tell you. Every week during that stretch, we were in the press box. Just we all looked at each other like, what is happening? Because we've all seen Rodgers play at an incredible level. Yeah. But this was just something else. I mean, this was he was out of his freaking mind. I think I think at the incredible. I think at the end of the day for me on Rodgers and I mean, we're a long way from writing Aaron Rodgers football obituary. He could win three. He could win three more Super Bowls at this point in time of Tom Brady's career. We were saying, well, if Brady doesn't win one post Spygate, there's an asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's added a few more. But I think with with Rodgers, it's easy. Like I would, I would, if I, if somebody asked me to describe Aaron Rodgers, I would say that while he is not the most accomplished, like just right now, he's not the yeah, most accomplished yeah. quarterback and, and he's not. I mean, he's got, he's got one Super Bowl. He's incredible. He's got multiple MVPs, but he is the greatest quarterback I have ever seen play with my own eyes in terms of being physically gifted. And oh, he's sort of, I mean, it. yeah, I mean, like it's incredible the, 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 the where he can make throws and the things he does I've, with his feet. And this isn't, this isn't original, but I've heard, cause I've heard many people say it, but I think I find it very, very true. When he is on top of his game, when he is playing at his highest level, no one in this league can touch him. No, I mean, not Brady, not Breeze, not anybody. Yeah. You know, it's like when he is on top and firing on all cylinders, it's absurd. Yeah. It's just, it's otherworldly. But you can't expect that week in and week out in the NFL. You just can't. And that's where Rodgers uh, has been let down by the Packers. You know, it, it, the fact that he's had to carry a, a really suspect defense year after year because his head coach refuses to fire a guy who – you know, has a, a, a good <laughs> track record against uh, middling to poor quarterbacks, but, you know, starts facing the better QBs and offensive coordinators in the league, and he has his lunch handed to him. Uh, year after year after year, refusing to make a move there uh, probably, you know, set them back a little bit and definitely hurt Rodgers' legacy in that regard. But, um, yeah, when he's on top of his game, he can't be touched. Yeah, there's nobody better. All right, should uh, – how is the offense going to look – 
is it going to look different out of the gates with these changes, or is it with Mike McCarthy there, with Aaron Rodgers there, with Devontae Adams? I mean, they were pretty consistent aside from right, flipping right. Jordy, Jordy Nelson and Jimmy Graham. I mean, is the offense just going to look the same heading into 2018? I tell you what, that is one of the things I am most curious to find out, if only because McCarthy has talked a lot. And this is true. They are doing this. He has talked a lot about how they are completely rebuilding the offensive playbook. You know, they've gone back to page one. And they even went so far as they were going to change how they did, uh, how they huddled up. But, uh, they decided against that, uh, as, as they were starting down that path. But there's been a lot of talk, a whole lot of talk. And it is funny because, you know, as guys like Sean McVay and, uh, uh, Schottenheimer kind of start getting all these accolades for their offensive acumen, you can feel, I definitely felt it in Indianapolis at the combine. You can feel McCarthy bristle a little bit. Mm. You know, he, he, you know, for back in when he took over and he had Favre to Rogers, you know, his offense obviously has scored a lot of points, has, has, you know, been very prolific, uh, with two of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, pulling the trigger. Uh, we've seen what happens when those quarterbacks aren't there. Um, and now you've seen these young guns come in and really put up some big numbers and, do it in very interesting ways and kind of incorporate lots of uh, schematic stuff that, you know, has been popular in college, et cetera. Well, you know, RPOs are all the, the rage right now, right? Yeah. I mean, McCarthy was running RPOs with Brett Favre in 2007, <laughs> you know? So, you know, McCarthy, I don't think gets his due as far as being an offensive innovator and being a guy who's done a lot uh, that nobody else was doing early on in the league. But that was a long time ago. And now, like I said, you get these young guys getting all this press and all these accolades well, McCarthy's now had two stretches without his superstar quarterback where his offense has looked downright pedestrian, yeah. if not terrible. So, you know, he has said he, he they're bringing in lots of new ideas. Well, what does that mean? What are, does this mean? More bunch concepts, more rub routes, uh, more power football? Like, what is, what is what does that mean going back to page one and introducing lots of new ideas? You know, he obviously brought in a lot of new people, um, an old face in Joe Philbin. Um, and look, the last time Philbin was in town, you know, was the year they went 15 and one. They had an ins, they had the most prolific offense in the league that year. Um, you know, they get back to some of that. So I'm, that is one of the things I am most curious about. Like, how does their offensive approach change? Because look, all you have to do is watch a couple games of Packers tape to see that a lot of their offense comes down to Aaron Rodgers turning down the structure. And it's getting outside the pocket and making stuff happen, mm -hmm. you know, and, and look, it's been, it's been productive. It has worked, but that's not something that's sustainable. That's not something you can count on, especially later in the year, weather starts turning and, and you've got to win some, you know, football games in the playoffs against high level defenses. Um, you know, that's not something you can count on. Right. That's uh, so I, yeah, it is. I suspect it will be slightly different, but mostly the same. Interesting. That is a, that is, that is worth watching, especially out of the gates, and to dovetail that into the question: Can they topple ten wins or more, which is the Vegas over under per the Las Vegas Westgate Superbook? It has not been profitable betting against the Packers, although last year clearly they went <laughs> under. When Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, they go under. And, yeah, they am. And you know they win ten games when he's healthy. I. I think it's interesting though because the six game stretch to open the season for Green Bay, uh, before their week seven bye, they get the Bears and Vikings at home, at the Red 
Redskins, Bills at home, at the Lions, 49ers at home. Now, the Vikings are going to be good. The Bears and 49ers are, are sleeper teams that, that people are high on this offseason in the NFC. But that stretch, if the offense is clicking, screams 6-0. and Yeah. And then what's funny, my uh, colleague Ryan Wood, for the paper, he did a kind of a, you know, he gamed out the entire season, right? Sure. And he, he, we were talking about it. He's like, yeah, they could start 6-0. And then easily be six and four or six and five. <laughs> like if you look at the stretch after that, yeah, they they have I think two home games in a in a two month span. Post post week seven bye, and so you come out right. and you have October twenty eighth is week eight. You're at the Rams, at the Patriots, then you get the Dolphins at home, at the Seahawks on at a the Seahawks thir- on a short week on, on a Thursday Tuesday night, night, and then at the Ouch. Vikings. So you have four That's of your I mean. four of your five games against dangerous teams. Whatever you think about the Seahawks, I would not. Want to play in Seattle on a Thursday yep. night on a short week. Um, yeah, they could go easily go four and or one and four over that stretch, and all I of mean, a sudden you're seven and seven and four, and people are wondering like, well, that- why are they falling apart, etc. Yeah, yep. you know exactly. Um, but yeah, um, as we know, all that really matters is the first four games. Really, I mean, sure. you know, when you look at this stuff in April and May, and you're like, oh, you're trying to like figure out the season, and then you get to like week three, and it's like teams that you thought were going to be juggernauts are falling apart. And teams that you th- had thought had no business contending are all of a sudden uh, making a march to like seven and zero. It happens every year. So yeah, I think the Packers they need to concentrate on getting off to a hot start. But I think as far as Vegas goes, 10, 10 wins and Rodgers is healthy. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take the over on that. No yeah. question. No, I would agree, especially when you look at, like, the way the home game set up. I mean, the Falcons should be good. I think the Cardinals will be better than people think. I get that people love the 49ers and, and the Bears. The, if they beat the Vikings and they beat the Falcons at home, they should go 8-0 at home. And so then, yeah, I they, agree. then you're just looking, can you steal games? Can you steal, yeah. yeah, at the Jets, at the Bears, where Rogers owns people, uh, you know. <laughs> right. And, and get, exactly. And get one of those, one of those in the big four. And then you're in, you're in pretty good shape. So I, I agree, uh, on, on taking the over. All right. Uh, am I missing anything that we need to discuss about the Packers? Cause this, we just flew through this. this no, this no, I think, I think you've covered it. I mean, this is a, a team that obviously has had a lot of change this off season. Um, but the big kind of components that have led to their success in, uh, McCarthy and Rogers are back in place. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, with an improved defense, they should make a deep run. All right, I'll get you out of here on this then. Goldfish or Cheetos? Holy cow. Um, <laughs> man, you got to warn me. With, you're coming with the heat here. I gotta go goldfish. Mm. Definitely gotta go goldfish. I think you, that, don't get the, you don't get the stuff on your fingers. Ooh, that's a good point. I mean, I, did I say Cheetos or Cheez Its? You said Cheetos. Ah! Damn it. I meant cheese it, it's goldfish or cheese it's. I'll still go, I'll still go with gold. I think goldfish is the more sustainable long-term answer in that question, but cheese it's, uh, I agree. Cheetos, you throw Cheetos out the window. The crap on your fingers yeah, no, is, no, no. is on gold, I don't know. Goldfish is like the goat, man. Especially yeah. when you got kids and you just need a quick snack and you reach out. You, know, you got the goldfish at the ready. I, gold, in the past. In the past four years, my, uh, artificial cheese consumption is. <laughs> Quint, daily consumption is quintupled. I can't like, I'll open up the thing of goldfish and just keep throwing them down. I can't stop myself. It's terrible. It's impossible. It's impossible to say no to the goldfish. All right, buddy. Thanks as always, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Will.